Thanks for tuning into the Refuge Church Sermon Podcast. It's our prayer that the Spirit would use God's Word to stir your affections for Christ during this time. While we're glad to provide this online content, please remember that it's not intended to replace commitment and connection within a local church family. Now, here's this week's message. Uh, Continuing on in our series, Eyes to See, talking about the parables of Jesus. Some of you, like of all the places, some of you are just like right in the ways of the poles. You can't see them at home, but they're like, except for the Voths right here, everybody's like in the wings. So, um, yeah, hey, I'll just do that every once in a while. Be like, Joel, what's up? Uh, and Voths, be prepared for an uncomfortable amount of eye contact. <laughs> so, uh, there's no, I'm not going to use the, I guess the podium thing got damaged this morning, so, or whenever, I don't know. I'll pretend like it wasn't all about the time the youth group piled into it while playing tag and the top flew off and there's bolts. I don't know, I, I did a terrible job bolting this thing back together, but it's, it's done. Somebody make us a new one. Neville, somebody who does wood things. Okay, uh, today we are going to be in Matthew chapter 13. We've been there already, so we took a break last week to do a more liturgical service, which was wonderful. And uh, the weeks before, we talked about how to approach the parables. We talked about uh, the parable of the sower, which is kind of the the watershed of the parables. And this week, we are going to play leapfrog a little bit. We're going to skip over um, a couple of spots in Matthew 13, and we're going to go to, and you can blame Trey for this, because he just put a list out and said, hey, pick what you want. So thanks. Uh, This one jumped out at me and has been messing with me for a while. And... uh, It's short and sweet and one verse, but we're going to read 33 through 35. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a woman that took and hid in three measures of flour, or is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophets. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what's been hidden since the foundation of the world. Um, Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for time to focus and dive into your word. Uh, As we wade into the waters of your word, we pray for times of washing and refreshing and renewal and joy. And uh, we ask these things in the name of your perfect son, who we pray is glorified in all this. Amen. So, um, this is a this is a one verse parable, and we were actually having a pretty heated debate about whether it was a metaphor or a simile back there. And Paul, thank you for googling it and bringing clarity to the situation that it is more of a simile than a metaphor. The word parable, uh, which we've already explained, just means to set alongside. So, uh, parable, parallel, the words are related and. Um, so it's a truth set alongside something else. I'm going to keep doing this because I can't see half of you if the, the polls, so I'm just, going to, I'm just going to move all over the place today. I'm going to Chris Farley it and not knock over the communion. Hold on. If you're just tuning in, um, I'm not the guy who normally does this, so <laughs> just know this isn't something you have to put up with every week. It's just like a once-in-a-while thing. Um, so... So before we launch into, we've talked, Trey talked about how to approach the parables, and I want to rehearse again why Jesus is talking in parables, but 
Before we do that, I want a quick PSA before we talk about why Jesus speaks in parables in some, some times and places. Public service announcement for you and all of our viewing audience. Uh, if you refuse to wear a mask, you are a moron. Just gonna throw that out there. Follow-up PSA, uh, if you think that masks are essential, you are a mindless drone. You see what, <laughs> Kayla's like, I see what you see what happened there? You see what happened? What happened to your blood pressure? Right? What happened to your stress level? Were you immediately trying to figure out which of those statements I leaned toward? Right? Were you trying to pigeonhole me? Good luck. That, my friend, my friends, my brothers, my sisters, is a big part of why Jesus talked in parables. There were lots of reasons that Jesus talked in parables. Um, he used different kinds of parables in different times and places and for different purposes. Um, some parables are very imaginative and they create whole micro-narratives and situations and stories. Um, some parables take what would otherwise be a very normal, logical flow situation and then flip part of it on its head or twist it to wrinkle the very neat bed sheets of your brain. Um, some parables, and in the case of this parable, Jesus would use uh, communal experiences or relational touch points, things that common experiences, common memories that everybody could plug into immediately. And it didn't always make sense why he did that, but you can see history has taught us that if I make bold statements like that, if we draw an ideological line in the sand, right, and I'm on one side of that idea and you're on the other side of that idea, and if I'm shouting at you, I stand a, I, it's gonna be 99.9% .9 ineffective if what I'm trying to do is sway your heart and mind on a particular issue. Especially if what I have to say to you is so far removed from where you are on this idea, on this thought, that we've got just a cavern that we have to, not a cavern, what's the right thing? What's it, chasm, chasm, thank you. Grand Canyon is what I had in mind and I said chasm. It, we've, we've got a huge gap that we have to get over to try to understand each other, to try to get there. And so in, in things like this, Jesus is throwing things out that are common to everyone. Um, things that anybody could look at, hi, things that anybody could look at and say, yeah, I, I know what he's talking about, I have that experience, I, maybe I don't know what in the world he means by it, um, but I can relate. So, um, this par honestly, this parable, if this, if this parable were a meme, you would have scrolled past it because you didn't get it. It's a one-sentence parable, it just doesn't. Um, the, the, the gap that Jesus is trying to span is there, the people's understanding, his hearers, his first hearers' understanding of what the Messiah was supposed to be, who he was going to be, and the other side of that is what Jesus actually came to do in his time. So on the, on the one side, the expectations of the people around him, you, you gotta remember the situation of God's people in this time that Jesus is talking to at the moment. Um, they are the people of God. They are the set-apart family of Abraham that uh, are being oppressed by Romans, Gentile dogs, they're living under their thumb, they're being treated badly, they're occupied, their homeland, their precious homeland, the city that they love, Jerusalem, is occupied by Roman forces and is ruled by corrupt leaders. 
And they are on every side pressed and frustrated and angry and disappointed. And their hope, what they're looking for, what they're looking forward to is the coming of uh, a Superman, essentially, a Messiah figure, God's anointed. And what they've surmised from all that their elders have taught them and uh, what they hear is that this Messiah is going to come and he is going to save the whole situation. In this context, it would mean that the Messiah was going to come and he was going to bust some Roman heads. And he was going to elevate God's people back to their rightful place of ruling with God over the nations. And this was, this was the idea. This was the common hope, the common feeling that, that Jesus was dealing with when he talked to people. What Jesus actually came to do was, would have been altogether disappointing to anybody that was listening to him in the moment. Because what he was going to do, what he was about the work of doing in his life right now for the three years of his ministry was he was going to teach, live the life of a poor itinerant preacher. He was going to be chastised and then chased by the religious authorities of the same family. And he was going to be murdered by Romans, executed as a criminal, actually. And so all these ideas are completely separate, antithetical to one another for what the expectation was and what Jesus actually came to do. And so bridging that gap, we see a one-line <laughs> one parable. You can just keep it up there. It's one verse. I mean, right? He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Okay. So imagine that... Um, Let's, uh, let's go on a journey with a, with a fictional character that would have lived in the time of Jesus, right? Give me a good dude Bible name. I'm talking to anybody who's physically here. Jeremiah. Really? All right. Uh, so Jeremiah, call him Jay for short. J-Dog. Don't, don't call me that. But we'll call him Jay. Jay for short. Jay is your average uh, good Hebrew guy living under the oppressive reign of Rome, occupying his homeland, works hard, pays way too much taxes, more than they can bear. They're barely getting by if they're getting by. Uh, his wife, his kids, it's, it's rough. His, his, he looks around the awfulness of the world and it's not, it's not good. And he's hoping, like everybody else, for the Messiah. And he's looking forward to it, and there's been messiahs pop up all over the place. Guys, would-be candidate messiahs popping up everywhere to try to lead a rebellion or a revolt or to go off and preach some crazy new idea. And he's heard a couple of them, and it's been disappointing. But the guys at work are like, there's a new guy. And also, he's not just talking, he's doing miracles, like, like legit miracles. I've seen it. It's crazy. And so he's cautiously optimistic. He's like, okay, whatever. We've seen this before. And so Jay goes home, um, explains to the wife what's up, puts on his I Hate Rome t-shirt, and he goes out with his friends after work to uh, the tri We're not a cult. People are just wearing the t-shirts, so just so you know, side note, a lot of people have gotten up here with the same t-shirt on. It was a thing we did last year, it's fine. So he puts on his I Hate Rome t-shirt and uh, he goes with his friends, goes out to hear this guy. 
And, and okay, all right, there's a decent-sized crowd. And he walks up, and there's some excitement, and okay, this is good. And one of, the, one of his follower people, somebody who's, who's dragging along with him, are out getting the crowd pumped up. Are you people ready? Are you ready to hear Jesus? Everybody's like, yeah. And Jay's like, well, all right, this is cool, this is cool. Walks up. Are you ready? Yes, we're ready, yes. It's electric, you can feel it. This is the guy. Rome's going down. This is happening. This is happening right now. I saw a dude that he healed. It's, I just talked to him. His name was Jeff. He's awesome. He was lame, and now he's walking. It's amazing. It's great. Disciple sits down. Jesus walks up to the microphone. Jesus says, wait, don't actually turn it on. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven, everybody's like, yeah, <laughs> tell me. Kingdom of heaven, it's like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. This was not, this was not what people were hoping for. At best, people are disappointed and confused, right? And he goes on and he goes on and he goes, okay, 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 all right. The electricity fizzles. I mean, people are still getting healed or whatever, but man, goes home, takes off the t-shirt, it's late, falls into bed with his wife. His wife's like, tell me everything, how did it go? Was, was it amazing? Is he legit, is it, is it for real? What a complete waste of time. He talked about like farming and something about weeds and then I blacked out and Mike was, he, he said he talked about like mustard and then bread, something about bread. I don't, well that's a bummer. Yeah, big bummer. But then he wakes up the next morning and he sees his wife doing what every family had to do that day unless you were rich enough to pay somebody else to make your bread. She's making bread. It's like, what was that? What did he say about bread? I don't, I don't, hmm. He starts to work on him a little bit. He's watching his wife and he watches the process. At this point, we have to geek out a little bit because first of all, welcome to the point of, of this parable or of this mode of parable for Jesus. Uh, if he had st stood up and made those dramatic statements that they were all looking for, I mean, he wouldn't have, but, but if things like that had been put out, that's, you can deal with that. That's, that's quick, that's easy. And if, if, if he had said what was really coming, everybody would have walked away and not heard, not heard a thing he said. But as it was, they were on the hook, and what he gives them is something like about bread making. Something about leaven in some dough. Uh, but what's happening here is that it's, it's working on him. And so for us, that process is probably a little bit lost because uh, we don't make our own bread, usually. Does anybody here make their own bread? If you're on the internet, raise your hand so I can see. No, I can't see you, actually. It, yes, you make bread? Score. No? He's pointing to her, and she's like, ah... So, uh, bread making isn't a part of our daily life. So let me, let me hook you up, I'm gonna do you a favor. This afternoon, block some time off on your calendar and go watch The Great British Baking Show. It's on Netflix. I may or may not have watched every single episode, some of them more than once. Um, and that's okay. It's okay to be me and watch The Great British Baking Show, it's fine. And you can watch it too, and it's amazing. If you need some calm and some rest, but also a little bit of intrigue, 
with some witty humor, a little double entendre thrown in. Uh, this is your jam. Go watch the great, watch the bread making episodes. Watch the process. Watch how they labor over it, how they toil over it. It's crazy. We don't, we're not familiar with bread making. So I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to nerd out here and we're going to, we're going to talk about bread making for just like, like maybe five minutes at the most. All right. So bread, so bread making in the ancient world, right? You, this is not what you thought you were coming to hear this morning or turning on the TV to hear this morning. Uh, but, it, but that's what's happening. So we're going to talk about bread making. All right. We're going to pretend like I got my little Hebrew bread making stand here. Right. So what, what happens is, what had happened was, back in the day, bread making, so today we call it sourdough bread making, and it's like a trend. There's a thing where you do, like make the starter, and then you have it, and you make your own bread, and it's cool, and it's fun. Uh, back then they just called it bread, because the, the traditional, most common method in the ancient world of making bread was to use the sourdough method, what we call the sourdough method. And they call it sourdough for a reason, but Here's, here was the process. So you got a lot of flour and you got a lot of water, right? Okay. So also remember, there's, there's two different things going on here. There's the, there's the how the bread's made, but then there's also the, the preloaded operating system, said the computer nerd, of what uh, Jay is dealing with when he's watching the bread making, right? He's a child of Israel. He's a good Hebrew boy. He went to synagogue school, so he knows the story of God's people. He knows that God made things good, that mankind messed it up. We fell away, we fell into sin, we threw the world into chaos. God's good world was tarnished. We know that Abraham was called out from among the people of the world, set aside, and that his family would be the chosen people of God and they would be set apart to be the people of God and to be a light and a, and a benefit to the nations, that all the blessings that God was gonna bring through the world were gonna flow through these people. And they'd been through ups and downs. They'd been through highs and lows, good kings and bad kings, and bad kings and bad kings, and maybe a good king here and there, and, and just a really hard, rough history. Exile, turmoil, enslavement. So many, such a long, hard history of life for this people. And this is Jay's story. So, okay. Bread making. Here we go. I don't have a chef's hat. I should have probably brought one, just because that would be more entertaining than what I'm doing right now. So what they would do is they would take flour, big flour and big water. Pretend like we got big containers of flour and water, right? So you take some flour, a little bit of flour, a little bit of water, mix them together. I'm not washing my hands. Mix it together, and you set that aside. You set that apart. Wink. Um, you put that in a jar or some kind of container, cover it, protect it. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong at any point. I don't, I mean, I kind of know what I'm talking about, but you set that aside. This is called the starter. Right? I've taken a portion of these things. I've set them aside for a specific purpose. This is my starter. The process of preparing the starter can take days, like a long time. In bread years, that's like thousands of years, right? So uh, you've got the starter, and what you do is like every day, you take it out, you discard a little bit of it, you add a little more flour and a little more water to replenish, and then what's happening is the wild yeasts floating around, the bacteria floating around in your home or in the, in the environment are collecting on this thing and you're leaving it out and it's at room temperature and it's fermenting and it's, it's making the starter and it starts to turn like brown and gets like goopy and starts to get a little smelly, like it's got a little bit, that's where this are, it's, it's a little bit smelly and it sits to the side and this goes on for days. Take it out, pull a little away. 
put a little bit in it. And then when it's ready, when it's ready, then the bread making can really start. Then you're going to take the flour and the water and you're going to bring it and you're going to get that ready and then you're going to add in a portion of your starter. You're going to take out, at the right time, you're going to take out a portion of your starter and you're going to put it in with the flour and the water and you're going to mix this together. Now in the parable, the NIV does the math for you, does the heavy lifting and tells you that actually in the parable this is like 60 pounds of flour we're dealing with here. So when it's all said and done and you add the necessary water and other ingredients, you're looking at like 100, like 100 pounds. So somebody is, if they're doing this themselves, they're preparing for like a party or a feast, right? Just file that away. So you start to work the dough. And here's how you work the dough, right? Have you, seen, have you guys seen the whole kneading thing? Hopefully, if you're looking at your phone, you're actually YouTubing bread making right now because it's going to be more entertaining than this. So you like work the dough and, and then you fold it and some, I mean, some people, if you watch the Great British Breaking Toast, some people are crazy with this stuff. They like take it and like slap it on the counter and I don't know, they get all weird with it. And then they, but you, you work it, it goes through cycles of labor and cycles of rest. Labor and rest. And so after this process goes on of mixing the flour and the water, of working the dough, of letting it rest, letting it prove, letting it rise, a skilled baker knows when the time is right that this lump of dough that's, that's got the starter in it, and mind you, the starter is, so this, this parable is weird, it's different than the other ones because the starter, it's not like you can take it out. Once you start this process, there's no going back. So if you take a seed and you put it in the ground, right? Let's talk about agriculture. You take a seed and you put it in the ground. If you're like, I don't like where I put that seed, you could go and get that seed and you could like dig it up and you could find the seed and get it and move it somewhere else. When that baker takes that starter, takes that leaven, and they put it into the dough, there's no going back from that. And when they work it into the dough, it's so incorporated, it so permeates all of the material that, it, that everything, every bit of it is affected. There's no part of this lump of dough that's unaffected by the starter that's just been injected, right? That's been worked into it. And what's happening, you can geek out on the science of bread making. They didn't understand the molecular science of what was happening back then, but there's all these chemical reactions happening that are creating carbon dioxide. And when you're working that dough, you're making it tough so it builds up strength and it can hold the gases that are being released. And that's why it rises, right? But you're not getting that leaven back out of there. It's been buried deep in there. And it's been incorporated and it's been worked in and now something new has been created. And the baker knows when the time's right. When the time's right and the dough's ready, the baker knows what to do with that dough. They take this glob of dough and they go and they put it in the oven. And when it comes out, it's something familiar, but it's also different. It's, it's better, it's new. It's not, it's not globby dough that you don't want to eat, doesn't look appetizing. It's, oh, it's bread. You see fresh bread out of the oven? Maybe you don't make your own bread, but I mean, have you ever had the experience of smelling fresh bread come out of the oven? I mean, you go to, go to places that make bread, you get the smell. Man, there's just something about it, though. Like, you pull that bread out of the oven. So, Wendy would make beer bread every once in a while back in the day. If you've never, I mean, just try it. I mean, find a place to try it. It's so good. She'd bring it out of the oven, and I couldn't wait until it cooled, and so I would generally burn my fingertips. I would, like, figure out which fingertip I was going to sacrifice until I remembered we had forks, and then I was like, oh, duh, forks. But then uh, I couldn't wait, like the smell and the look of it and the taste, and I just knew what I was in for, and I was ready, and it, it was amazing. All right, so back, so back to Jay. 
right? Good old Jeremiah, sitting at the table. Day after day, watching his wife make bread. What did that crazy carpenter dude say? Then he hears the stories about what's happening. He hears the stories about what's happening with Jesus. And that this guy who, who everybody thought was the hope of Israel was drugged through the dirt by the religious authorities, was executed by Rome as a criminal, preached and taught and spent his whole life as this poor vagabond of a guy going around with his friends, few though they may be. And then there's this weird story about him actually rising from the dead. And Jeff saw it. I mean, he saw the guy. So, I mean, he's, he's telling me, you know, he's, he's talking to Jay and he's telling him all these things. And, and so he, he begins to see what happens in the aftermath. In the aftermath of the stories about Jesus' resurrection and his ascension, right? Who does that? Ascend. Now's the time to rule. When are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Oh, that's right. You're floating away. He's gone. But in the wake of all that he's done in the world, his followers have now spread everywhere. They're all over the place. There are pockets of these little, little communities of Jesus lovers all over the place. And what they're doing, where they are, I mean, they're, they're taking care of orphans and they're taking care of widows. They're caring for marginalized and the sojourners. They're pulling all these people in. They're doing all the things that Israel was called to do in the first place. And, and their communities of love and their communities of equity and justice and their, their communities of life and they're just bringing goodness to the world around them. <laughs> and then Jay's sitting at the table the next morning, and he sees his wife making bread. And all these things start to come together for him, right? This is the beauty of the parables. This is the beauty of something as simple as, it's a, it's a meme we wouldn't have understood, but now I've explained it to you. And we all know that a meme worth laughing at is a meme worth having explained to you, right? Because if I, I mean, people have been so gracious and kind and patient and explaining memes to me. And if you don't know what a meme is, don't Google it. It's like, you know, online, those pictures where people put like text on them and sometimes they're snarky and sometimes they're sarcastic and sometimes they're funny. Um, but they're making a point and you don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. And thank you, especially thank you to Pastor Trey Herwick for having explained so many memes to me that I didn't, I didn't understand in the beginning. Um, and everybody else, my children, friends, just thank you. And I just wanted to return the favor. So now we've explained the meme of the parable, and hopefully now, but do you get it? All that work, all that time in the preparation in the nation of Israel and all that, that God was doing in his people and his set-apart people, and then bringing the goodness of God's kingdom and injecting it into the world and pulling it together, and what happens age after age after age is that that leaven goes into the world uh, generation after generation, and that growth happens, and that life forms. And then when the time is right, guess what? Brothers and sisters, the bread, that big glob of stuff, will go into the ovens of recreation, and what comes out on the other end is something beautiful and wonderful. The aroma is fantastic. The world around it is changed. Everybody's attention is now fixed on this fresh, beautiful thing, and it's going to give life and sustenance to the world and all the people in it. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened.
Jesus came to make all things new. And he said it in things like bread making. And he still says it today in things like bread making. Right? So. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge that when it comes to the deep things, oh, we, sometimes we don't get it unless the cookies are on the bottom shelf. Um, we need your loving condescension to us. And you've so beautifully, mercifully done that in the person and work of your son. In the message that he brought, hidden sometimes though it was, revealed ultimately to be beautiful, to be glorious, to be the truth, the unshakable, unmovable truth of your word, I ask that you let that just work through us in the small individual ways that your, that your kingdom life would permeate every part of our being, that we would be transformed, made into something new, by the loving sacrifice of your Son and the applied work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And Father, on the grand scale of your kingdom in the world, I pray that your people would, that they would carry Jesus to the world around them. Salt and light and the city on a hill, and, but leaven, so close so proximate, so integrated into the lives of those around us with your love and your life, making those pockets of joy and peace and comfort and love and community, that we would participate in your kingdom in the world right now and look forward to the day when all of these things are brought into their fulfillment in new creation. When the Lord Jesus rules and reigns visibly and in ways that transform the very fabric of the universe. And we ask it in his name. Amen. Building our identity in Christ for the sake of the world. That's the mission of Refuge Church. For more information, visit us online at seekrefuge.net.